Good morning, Colorado. You're listening to The Daily Sunup. The Daily Sunup podcast is a conversation with the Colorado Sun. See our trust indicators at coloradosun.com slash ethics. It's Monday, February 19th. Today, Sun Outdoors reporter Jason Blevins explains how a liability case before the Colorado Supreme Court could have major effects for the skiing industry and other outdoor recreation companies. Before we begin, a special thank you to all of our Colorado Sun members listening. It's thanks to you that The Sun continues to bring trustworthy, independent journalism to readers and listeners across our state. If you're not yet a member and want to join us, visit coloradosun.com join to sign up. While you're there, check out our member e-newsletters like Colorado Sunday, The Temperature, and more. Together, we'll keep Colorado informed in 2024. Now, let's go back in time with some Colorado history. In Colorado, the heart-pounding thrill of whitewater rafting complements the breathtaking scenery along the Arkansas River in Chaffee County. Advocates, starting in the 1970s, rallied to protect this pristine area from overdevelopment, culminating in the formation of Friends of Browns Canyon in 2003. Despite initial legislative setbacks, bipartisan support grew over the years, leading to President Obama designating Browns Canyon as a national monument on this day in 2015, preserving its natural beauty and diverse ecosystem. This victory ensures future generations of adventurers can continue to enjoy the exhilarating rapids while safeguarding the region's environmental and economic interests. Before we continue, a quick thanks to Daily Sunup listeners like you. If you like what you hear, please take a moment to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think. Thanks. Now our feature story. Thanks for listening today, everyone. I'm David Krause, one of the editors here at the Colorado Sun. Happy President's Day to everyone out there. Uh, big ski weekend, and I'm here with Sun Outdoors reporter Jason Blevins, and we're going to chat through um, something that could have big ramifications for the ski and outdoor recreation industry. JB, how's it going today, buddy? Doing well, DK. So last week, you listened in on the Colorado Supreme court hearing uh, concerning a liability case really could have uh, big ripple effects for the ski industry and a lot of other outdoor recreation businesses in the state concerning um, when or if you can sue if you get hurt out there. Jason, kind of give us an overview of the case concerning stemming from a teenager from Oklahoma, fell off a chairlift at Crested Butte and 2022 and the family is uh, still pursuing a lawsuit against uh, the owners of the resort Vail Resorts. JB, kind of give us an overview on what you uh, heard in the hearing last week. Yeah, the Miller family's um, hoping to uh, get the ski industry kind of share some responsibility for um, the injury to Annie Miller, 16-year-old out of Oklahoma. She was paralyzed when she fell off the uh, Paradise Express chair there, Crested Butte Mountain Resort, March 22. Um, and, uh, she just did not fail to, or she was unable to load properly. And, uh, the, the claims in the lawsuit filed in Broomfield County district court, um, argue that the lift attendants were negligent and grossly negligent. They didn't stop the lift in time, um, weren't paying attention. And, uh, the, that Broomfield County court dismissed the simple and ordinary negligence claims arguing that the Miller family 
Annie's dad had signed a liability waiver to get her Epic Pass tickets. Um, and that liability waiver waived their ability, dismissed their ability to sue. They were, they can't sue um, when you, when you sign for a lift ticket. These liability waivers are, are pretty ubiquitous. They're everywhere now. You rent ski gear, you go on a rafting trip, you ride a chairlift, you get a lift ticket, you get anything. Um, you're going to sign a liability waiver, and there's been uh, scrutiny over these liability waivers, this use of waiver. And essentially, the Miller family had appealed that decision, that Broomfield County District Court decision, all the way up to Supreme Court, saying, hey, let's revisit this liability waiver issue that was dismissed at the lower court. The family is arguing the liability waiver should not release a ski area from its duties under the Colorado Passenger Tramway Safety Act or the Colorado Ski Safety Act. Those are two um, statutory, you know, in, in Colorado law, the resorts have certain responsibilities that are a higher standard of care for chairlift riders. Um, and the family's arguing that you can't say that you sign a waiver and that means that you're not going to, you don't have to... Uh, follow the law um, that says that you should protect chairlift riders to a higher standard of care. So um, it's, you know, it's sort of based on this idea of simple and ordinary negligence and gross negligence. Um, the family wants the uh, simple and ordinary negligence claims reinstated to the lower court. And that that's basically easier to prove gross negligence. Um, it involves something along the lines of willful wanton and reckless behavior that endangers a life um much higher bar to prove as you can imagine so that yeah the the case sort of revolved around these you know legal issues of negligence and gross negligence but it really boiled down to these liability waivers and can a parent sign a liability waiver for a minor um and does that absolve a you know recreation provider from following laws regarding that safety right and and jason just for our listeners the court the case was filed in broomfield county district court because that's where bell resorts is based correct correct indeed so then let's talk about the the law right um 2003 um the colorado legislature uh, approved a law that allowed parents to sign liability waivers for their kids. Um, how you kind of hit on that, but how is that coming into play? Yeah. So in, in 2003, lawmakers took up a parental liability waiver legislation, put it in the, in the uh, Colorado, you know, statutes. Um, it was based on a Supreme court decision in 2002 where a ski racer in Aspen was injured when they hit a tree, family sued, and uh, the high court, Supreme Court in 2002 ruled that a parent cannot sign away a minor's ability to sue for negligence. Um, then lawmakers in 2003 crafted this legislation rejecting that Supreme Court decision, saying that Supreme Court decision does not reflect the intent of the General Assembly or public policy of this state. So, that that's sort of an issue there and that there's this standing precedent that from the high court that parents can't sign away uh, a minor's ability to sue. Um, but the law changed that. So there's, you know, some kind of discussion after 
uh, of you know what lawmakers intended in that 2003 um, decision, and can a company or a ski resort like Crested Butte Mountain Resort absolve itself of a, a legal duty through these private contracts, through this signing of a of a liability waiver for a lift ticket? And that's kind of the fundamental legal issue here that that is that is sort of surrounding this case. And the implications here can be kind of big if this, you know, if this court um, kind of decides that this family, the Miller family, can pursue these um, simple and negligence per se claims in the lower court. Jason, there was also what in 2011, um, a change to the safety rules for lift operators um, via, uh, vis-a-vis the American National Standards Institute. They kind of amended some safety rules there. Walk us through kind of how that played out and how that it also involves, as you mentioned earlier, the Colorado Tramway Safety Board. Yeah, so there's this, you know, overarching accredited standards committee that is basically sets all the standards for pretty much everything. And they have a, they have a committee that does, you know, standards for design, manufacture, installation, maintenance, and operation of chairlifts. That committee, you know, sort of revises the standards every five years or so. And prior to 2011, a lift attendant was required to stop the chair immediately should a condition develop, which might endanger a passenger. Um, after 2011, the attendant had a much sort of a list of options. Um, they could assist the passenger. They could slow the lift or they could stop the lift. So they had kind of three options there. Um the lawsuit from the Miller family claims the operators at the bottom of the paradise slip there were consciously and recklessly disregarded Annie's safety. That's a quote from the claim. Um, and But the ski area is saying, hey, you know, we have an option. You know, they, they our lift attendants have three different options. And, you know, they analyzed the situation and they followed the rules and they did the three you know, they pursued the three things. They eventually stopped the lift, but it was um, after Annie was out of the terminal and 30 feet high and her father's trying to hold her. She was trying to hold on it. Um, she fell. 30 feet. That's an incredible plunge. Yeah. It's terrible. Um, she's she's at the school, college in Tulsa right now and studying uh, music therapy and you know, has, has recovered. There's a video that we posted online of her recovery. She went to Craig um, there in, in Inglewood and just incredible story. Um, you know, really, uh, well, also pretty tragic. Jason, when you were listening in last week, um, you know, we've seen the U.S. Supreme Court. Sometimes we get to see that um, video of that if you're not there and, and how they're engaged or not video, but audio um, what was the mood of the justices? You know, I thought you had some interesting quotes from some of them challenging both sides, but, um, justice some more, uh, really, um, pushing the defense, right. And asking, you know, really, so what is the point of these statues? How did that go over in the courtroom and how are the justices, um, kind of, uh, questioning both sides on this? Yeah, there lots of questions and they were, they, they, seemed very involved and very attentive and, you know, had obviously read through all the different briefs and filings in this case. And they asked very pointed and, you know, 
informed questions, which I, I hope is the regular way a Supreme Court justice works. Um, but yeah, uh, Justice Carlos Samore Jr., um, he asked the lawyer defending the ski area, you know, what's the point of these statutes? Um, you know, his quote was, he said, I mean, I feel like your position renders all these statutory provisions meaningless, which is the essential argument of the Miller family. Um, and, you know, they, they were saying, you know, you have this industry where you're saying, oh, you have to sign these waivers if you want to ride a chairlift. Um, and he he wondered about how that applied to legal requirements. And if you have a, you know, a law requiring you to do something and at the same time you require everybody participating to sign a waiver that says they promise won't sue, what makes you follow that law? And uh, Justice Samore said something about that is wrong. Um, and, you know, the, the response is from the industry has always been, you know, this is not the first time these kind of questions have come about. This has gone to the Colorado Court of Appeals before. It's gone to U.S. District Court. And both those courts have upheld the use of liability waivers by the resort industry. And the resort industry says, like, why why would we be dangerous? Like, we, you know, obviously lifts, you know, are, are a pretty dangerous way to transport people in the winter and the weather and all that stuff. But, you know, we wouldn't be in business if we if we were you know, willful and wantonly and reckless and, you know, dangerous and, and endangered our visitors. Um, plus, we have to follow uh, state rules with, uh, you know, Passenger Tramway Safety Act and all the different rules from the Passenger Tramway Safety Board that are reviewed all the time. So, you know, the industry's response is we're held to all kinds of standards. And, you know, this is just a, the liability waivers are just yet another way for us to keep our insurance rates low and uh, for us to operate without having to, uh, you know, be troubled by the constant threat of major lawsuits. Um, and that's the essence of the Ski Safety Act. It's the essence of the rules of the Passenger Tramway Safety Board to let us all participate in what's, in, you know, some inherently dangerous activities in skiing and uh, not have to, you know, have resorts bring, bring us to the top and groom, groom runs and, and they don't have to worry about lawsuits. A um, couple of the judges were asking, why not just keep the gross negligence claim, which remains in the Broomfield County District Court? Um, and, you know, why why have these lower claims of negligence reinstated? Um, Justice Monica Marquez said, you know, the allegations of the complaint actually set out a pretty solid claim for gross negligence. Um, and the response from the family's attorney was, you know, how do we not know that we're going to go back to this Broomfield County Court and the ski resorts are going to come back with that liability waiver argument? Say, hey, they said they wouldn't sue. They waived every, you know, right to sue, even for gross negligence. So, you know, there's, there's, you know, some kind of complicated legal issues and what's a gross negligence, what's a regular negligence. It's a higher bar to prove, obviously. But it's also, you know, implications about these these liability waivers. And, you know, if you sign a liability waiver, does that mean that people don't have to follow the law? Um, so it's kind of some pretty sweeping implications and arguments in this whole case. Right. And that's the thing, right, Jason? And you you kind of hit on it at the start of the cast. But, you know, it, it goes beyond the ski industry and 
there are others, not just male resorts, you know, pushing and backing, you know, hey, we've got these liability waivers in place for a reason. Jason, let's end it maybe on this. You know, what do you what do you see beyond the ski industry? What's really at stake here for recreation in Colorado? Yeah, so the National Ski Area Association in Lakewood, they they filed a what they call an amicus brief, which is friend of the court, hoping to kind of join in the defense of Crested Butte. Um, Colorado Ski Country USA, which represents 21 of Colorado's 28 ski hills, um, also asked to join the court as well as the Colorado Camps Network, the Colorado River Outfitters Association, these, all these different recreation providers kind of came together saying, hey, if you weaken liability waivers, you're, you're going to either eliminate altogether or reduce the availability of recreational options for children. Um, they say that, you know, liability waivers are weakened, insurance policy costs will increase, and many, uh, without the protection of these releases, smaller and kind of lower cost providers will just end services for kids. No raft trips, no lift tickets, that kind of thing. Um, larger providers will just uh, increase prices and, you know, that's sort of the gist of the 2003 legislation that lawmakers approved was, hey, we need to keep recreation affordable for kids in Colorado. And uh, the argument from recreational providers right now is, hey, you weaken liability waivers. It's not going to be cheap to bring kids out to recreation. So yeah, the the implications here in this hearing are pretty um, pretty sweeping and we should have a Supreme Court decision, I, I don't know, a couple months or something like that. But uh, uh, definitely tune in to the Colorado Sun to... Uh, read about uh, uh, what the high court rules here. Jason, I appreciate you kind of breaking it down. I think we did pretty good for neither one. I did take media law in college. I will say that with my journalism degree, and I have covered a few court cases, but man, I tell you, stuff like this, it's hard to, hard to break down. So I really appreciate you kind of breaking it down and giving us that insider look to everything. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. If you want to read this story, or more about the Colorado Doors, you can go to coloradosun.com, click on that Outdoors tab up at the top. You can also sign up for Jason's weekly outsider newsletter at coloradosun.com slash outsider. And a reminder that here at the Sun, we want to earn your trust, and we are now a member of the Trust Project. You can check out our ethics policy at coloradosun.com slash ethics Jason Blevins, I appreciate the time again and break it down. I hope everybody had a great President's Day weekend and we'll catch up soon. Finally, here are a few stories that you should know about today. As state and federal officials look at renaming geographic landmarks named after controversial historical figures, now the birdwatching community is questioning the names of some of Colorado's feathered friends. And not just birds, but also the group that is synonymous with birders in the National Audubon Society. James Audubon was a slaveholder, and some feel his name should be removed from the organization. In the next year, the American Ornithological Society vows to reconsider a flock of North American bird tags that traditionally honored a human namesake. Read more in this week's Colorado Sunday feature by reporter Michael Booth. A recession in Colorado this year is unlikely. That's according to the short-term economic forecast from the Colorado Futures Center at Colorado State University. The state's unemployment rate is low, and inflation has slowed in the past year. 
but those factors aren't what their forecast uses when predicting how the local economy will behave in the next four to six months. Instead, it looks at the number of temporary workers, new weekly unemployment claims, Denver housing values, stock markets, and bond yields. Similarly, the Colorado Business Economic Outlook from the University of Colorado also forecasts slower growth but no recession. Denver police say the body of a woman who died in 2022 and the cremated remains of about 30 people were found at a rental house in Denver after a former funeral home owner was evicted from the property. An arrest warrant was issued for the man who owned Apollo Funeral and Cremation Services in Littleton. The business has been closed since September 2022. The body of a 63-year-old woman was found in a hearse on the property, and the remains were found in the house by someone who was cleaning it out. For more information on all of these stories, visit our website, coloradosun.com. And don't forget to tune in again next time. Now, a quick message from our team. I'm Laura Wynott, Director of Membership at the Colorado Sun. I came to work at the Sun because quality, trustworthy journalism is important. As a reader and listener, I find the Sun to be a breath of fresh air. The journalists tell Colorado stories that keep me informed, entertained, and engaged. If you also trust the Sun for your news, join me as a member at coloradosun.com join. Your support helps to bring you and other Coloradans the news you deserve. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you.